Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. You know, one of the things that I see a lot in the divorce process is if your spouse is handling all the finances and they have the taxes done by someone or do it using some an online program, we get to divorce and they like to hold those tax returns hostage and they don't want to turn them over. So if you have access to them now and can make copies of them, makes the process so much easier. And really, even more than just the concept of having the documents in hand is how empowering it is to know that you have just gotten in your hot little hands the financial data that can help you figure out all sorts of things. You might never use those documents for whatever reason. You might not end up looking at them, but having them is really empowering. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome listeners. I'm so thankful that you're here today because I finally have a forensic accountant with me. I have Tracy Conan with me today, and we are going to talk all about things with finances and divorce and red flags and where the most common spot your spouse will hide money. So there's lots of things we're going to cover today. And Tracy, I'm so thankful to have you here for you taking the time to do this. Grateful for the work that you're doing. Would you mind just sharing with the listeners a little bit more about what made you start doing the work that you're doing and maybe even what a forensic accountant is? For sure. So I've been a forensic accountant for more than 25 years. I have been self-employed for 23 years and I find money. It's as simple as that. I do fraud investigations. A lot of what I do is on the corporate side when we have executives stealing money or manipulating financial statements, but some of it is on the personal side where I'm helping people with their divorces. So I've been doing divorce work for a long time basically figuring out where has the money gone in our marriage? How much have we been spending? Is there any money that has disappeared? So maybe shuttled to a secret account, spent on an affair, spent on a piece of real estate that the spouse doesn't know about. Now, when I talk about divorce, I talk a lot to women because those are who my clients are typically. So if I talk today about your husband, your husband, your husband hiding money, (laughs) nobody get offended. If you're one of the husbands, yes, we all know women can hide money too, but I tend to speak to my audience, which is mostly women. And so I've been doing those kinds of cases for a long time, but forensic accounting is really expensive and it's not warranted in most cases, probably in 90 to 95% of cases, there's a very typical money scenario. You don't have complicated business interests, things like that. You probably each have a job and some normal earnings for those kinds of cases. You don't need a forensic accountant. You can find the money on your own. So I created the Divorce Money Guide last year to help people to show them exactly what documents they need and where to look to find that hidden money. Sounds fabulous. So it sounds like something that listeners would use when they are just even starting to think about divorce, correct? 
It can be used anywhere from the starting to think about it. And I just want to know what's been going on with my money all the way to the, oh my gosh, we are in the middle of divorce. We are getting close to where the judge is saying, you're going to have to have a final hearing soon, but now I have some concerns. And so it's anywhere from someone who says, I haven't been involved with the money and I just need to know what's been going on all the way to the person who says, I think my spouse is hiding money. Okay, so let's take this a step back to someone who maybe hasn't even decided to go through a divorce Mm -hmm. yet. So tell me, are there like financial red flags in a marriage that people can be on the lookout for? Absolutely. And there's lots of them. So if you see one or two of these red flags, I wouldn't be too worried unless they're huge. Typically, what I am worried about is when we see three, four, five, six red flags. So I could give you a laundry list. I like to talk about some of the most common ones. When your husband starts being more secretive about the money, when his behavior starts to change. So maybe that might be more secretive about his whereabouts or his phone, or maybe he's changing how he's spending money. Those changes are something that I want people to pay real good attention to. When you see weird things happening with documents, maybe some documents that were always in your house disappeared, financial type of documents. Maybe Mm -hmm. there was a drawer where you always had your tax returns, always had a copy of the tax returns, and suddenly those are missing. Very weird, right? Mm -hmm. Or forged signatures on documents. Or he is giving you some documents and having you sign them without letting you read them with saying things like, oh, just trust me, it's this. You get a brief explanation, but you don't really have a chance to look over what you're signing. Those kinds of things are all really concerning to me. Okay, so things to watch for. So if someone is just starting out and going to go through a divorce, where do they start? The first thing I would have them do is go online and take my red flag assessment because they might be seeing some of these signs, but they might not know how serious they are. So I have a free little quiz. I created a landing page for your podcast listeners and you're welcome. So we'll put that in the show notes, right? And we will. (laughs) There will be a red flag assessment there for them to look at. A quick quiz, three to four minutes, and, and they'll get a response to, you know, whether they should be super worried or not. But let's say you get past that. And now you're thinking I might be getting ready to divorce. One of the first things that I suggest doing is gathering any financial documents that you have legal access to. So if there are documents in your home, get copies made of those and put those copies in a safe place just so nothing can disappear. If it's online, get whatever you can. So if you have access to online banking, go ahead and download all the statements that you're able to get. Save those in a safe place like Dropbox or Google Drive, somewhere like that in a secured place where those could never disappear. Getting those documents is really, really important because as you go through this divorce process, what we find sometimes is that access gets removed, documents disappear, and pretty much you can get all of this stuff through the legal process if your attorney sends subpoenas. But if we have the information now in our hands, it makes it so much easier and we can get to looking at things so much quicker. It makes it quicker and so it saves time at the same time saving money if you're kind of prepared. Absolutely. I mean, who wants to have their attorney send 10 subpoenas if they only really need to send two, right? Amen. Well, and I was going to say, so another place that I have my clients peak is their mailbox. Like just see what's coming in and make sure that you hold on to that. And 
have a really good understanding of that. And then I always have them do their budgets too. So they understand how much they're going to need to survive. And that seems to be extremely painful for a lot of people. You know, the budget is really important because I always say you don't know, you you might not be prepared for what it's going to cost after you get divorced. And so I sometimes like to call it a spending plan because I think that sounds a little funnier than budget. I like that. I'm going to borrow that from you. Absolutely. I borrowed it from someone else. Let's make (laughs) a plan for how we're going to spend our money and really think carefully about, you know, the monthly expenses are easy, right? You know how much rent or mortgage you pay and things like that. But the things that might come up of an unexpected nature, are you factoring in what if your furnace goes and you need to replace that? Or what if there is a problem in your backyard that needs a repair, things like that. And so thinking about all those things are really important. I have another question kind of along these lines. Can you explain what financial infidelity is? Very simply, it's any lie about the money between partners or spouses. So we're all probably have done that. I know I've done it in the past. I do like to say, you know, the little white lies I'm not so concerned about. I talk about, you know, maybe you bought a pair of shoes that you didn't want your husband to know about and you hid them in the back of the closet. I don't necessarily think that that rises to the level of financial infidelity, unless there's more to the story. You and your husband have crushing credit card debt. You've made an agreement. We're not putting anything else on the credit card. We're not spending anything on any, on, you know, fun stuff for the next month. You know, when you have a significant situation like that, and then you go sneak and buy that pair of shoes, that's when I think you're getting into that dangerous territory. For most people, the financial infidelity is more serious. It's where they have a hidden bank account, a secret credit card account. They're spending larger sums of money without their spouse knowing. They're violating agreements that they have about spending with their spouse. They're spending money on an affair, you know, things that we call non-marital expenses. Uh So that's really where I focus with financial infidelity. It's those substantial lies that you know would really matter to your spouse. Can I ask, how do you find something that's hidden? Like say your spouse has open checking account or a savings account on their own. I mean, how are you going to find out about that? So there's a couple ways you can find out about it. If you're snooping around right now, and I shouldn't even call it snooping because it's not, it's, you know, you're married, it's your financial life together. Most of the times when someone opens a secret account, they're not always that smart about how they do it. There has to be money that goes into that account from somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. So what I'm looking for is, is there any money that kind of left our joint hands and went out? Mm -hmm. So what we'll see a lot of times is a transfer out of, your joint checking account for $1,000 to an account that we never knew about, either at the bank you're currently banking at or at a new bank altogether, because that's the easiest way to fund that new account. Sometimes they'll fund it with cash. So you might see a larger cash withdrawal from your joint account. Sometimes they'll fund it by not depositing one of their paychecks in your regular account, and they'll go deposit in the other account. So many, many times in the typical divorces, there is a really simple telltale sign that shows that they have a secret account. Now, if there isn't one of those, the way that we're going to find out about the account is with subpoenas. So let's say you bank at Chase, you have access to your bank accounts. That's great. You know, you can get those account statements for us, but we might also have your attorney subpoena Chase to say, give us records for any account in 
her name, the spouse's name, et cetera, because that would capture if there is a secret account that we don't have any evidence of, that would capture it. So it would capture it not only at Chase, but at any bank. At any bank, but we have to send a subpoena to each bank. And so, you know, you do. And there's right, there's thousands of banks out there. And so we don't want to just be sending a whole bunch of subpoenas. And so what we try to do is we try to look for some clues to banks that your spouse might be doing business at. Did any mail come to your house from a particular bank? Especially if you ever noticed when you start doing business at a new bank, all of a sudden you start getting credit card offers in the mail from that particular bank. So if you've seen something like that, I would subpoena that bank. If you know that you applied for a loan at a certain bank and maybe you didn't take that loan, but you have that tie to the bank, I would subpoena that one. If your spouse has ever talked about another bank or if there are a a couple of you know, really heavily used banks in your area that most people bank at and you just didn't before, I probably cover both of those, you know, those and send a subpoena there too. So we can be strategic about it and have a pretty good chance of capturing most of it. Okay. All right. That's really good to know. So be a little bit of a detective. Yes. And it's fun. (laughs) I think people would be, yeah, it might be fun, but not always. You're going through a hard time, but. And you're in a position where you didn't want to have to look into these kinds of things, of course. But I think with that clarity and knowledge always comes a little bit of peace, even though it's hard, right, to find out that your spouse has hidden money. Is that considered financial abuse when they're hiding money? Because we talk about infidelity. Yeah, Yeah, there's overlap between financial infidelity and financial abuse. So, So certainly that hiding of money to deprive you of it can fall under financial abuse. When I think about financial abuse, I think of someone using money to control you, to control your activities. So maybe they're restricting what you can spend. Maybe they're taking a microscope to what you're spending every dime of it. Maybe they're not even allowing you to have any money to spend, or they are recklessly spending, endangering your family. They are hiding money from you. There's all sorts of things that can fall under that umbrella. Right. I hear you. And I've seen that. And, you know, okay. So I have to ask you about this because I have the greatest clients. Most of my people come to me, not all of them, but most of them come to me without attorneys, just because they want me to kind of hold their hand through the divorce process. So I'm that attorney turned mediator. Yep. Well, because they're working so closely together, I wonder if sometimes they're not thinking of looking. So does everybody need to do this, even if they're, you know, kind of coming together and going through maybe a divorce mediation process? Who needs a forensic accountant? So not a lot of people need a forensic accountant, but I do think that everyone should take a look at their statements and get a handle on what's been going on. It doesn't have to be something that feels sneaky or nefarious or feels aggressive. It's just, I want to gather information. I want to understand how we've been spending our money. And an important part of that is just taking those bank statements and going through them line by line and just seeing what has the money been spent on. And guess what? If you find nothing out of the ordinary, good. Then you have the peace of mind that you looked. But not looking, I think, is scarier because you just don't know. You know, Tracy, you're going to make me better at my job because I'm thinking about couples who come in and there's generally maybe one person who's taking care of the finances and they just let that person get me all the information and they kind of take a step back and they just, and I'm sure they're very trustworthy, but 
it's probably time, you know, you're going to be living on your own, doing your own finances. It's probably time for that person to also look into it, to understand what they have and not, you know, maybe it's time to stop relying on the other spouse to help you. So you just, something just clicked in my head that that can be an important piece, an important first step, because before we meet, I get all their financial information. And I want to make sure in the future that from now on, they're both very clear and understanding where all the paperwork is and what they have. Well, you know, a lot of the women that I work with are ashamed because they haven't been keeping track of the money. There is still a great instance of the men managing the budgets in the household. And I don't find any shame in that. I feel like in families, we divide and conquer, right? Mm -hmm. You do what you're good at. I do what I'm good at. We trust each other. It all works out. So I don't want anyone to be ashamed that they haven't been watching the money. But if you are now heading towards divorce or in the process of divorce, you owe it to yourself to take a look at what's been going on. And again, it doesn't have to be aggressive. It doesn't have to be negative, but you really need to look at it. So you've been hands off before. Great. Now you're in the process of divorce. Time to get your hands on it a little bit. Exactly. Which is probably when your course would be really helpful for women who are feeling lost about where do I start. Because they don't, if you haven't been involved, it's really overwhelming. I say to you, go get your bank statements. And a lot of times I get a deer in the headlights. Look, where do I start? So what I did was I started off by saying, hey, let me tell you a little bit about the divorce process and the financial piece and what's going to happen so that you understand some of the legal terms that are going to use, some of the things that are going to be asked of you, why you're giving over all this documentation, things like that. And then I walked them through what are the important financial documents How do you get them? And what do you do once you have them? Well, and Tracy, I can't help but think that even for people who aren't going through a divorce, wouldn't there just be something as a teaching tool? I mean, is that ever used by a woman who's just like, you know what? I want to figure out what's going on. I feel out of control. Like I don't know where money is or. Yeah, absolutely. So, so probably what I need to do is, is spin off the product and make it a product (laughs) without the word divorce in it, right? Name it something else. But yeah, I mean, certainly it really can be used outside of the divorce process just to, I'm a very big person on like taking a systematic approach to things. And Mm -hmm. and that's what I did. Walk, walk you through some steps, get this, then get this, look for this. Now look for that. Yeah. Because it makes it easier. It like takes it into bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Like in my situation, and I'm not getting a divorce, but my husband, like his 401k, all that information, I, I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't use it. It's I've, There's not really statements that come through. What does a person do in that case? Is that where the subpoenas would have to be, would come in? And well, if you're not getting divorced, what I would have happen is once a month, you and your spouse have a financial check-in, a sit down yeah. where we go over the books together. And part of going over the books together is having some sort of statement or screenshot or printout from whatever those accounts are. That's how you can stay informed. Okay. So say now you're going through a divorce and you've got the situation that I've got where you don't really even yep. know where his 401k is or what if it's a 401k right. or something else, then what? 
So at first, the attorneys will typically ask for that information from your spouse. Please tell us where you have accounts. Please give us statements. And sometimes they cooperate. Sometimes they don't. When they don't cooperate, then we will take it to the subpoena level. Okay. And I would say in those circumstances, probably a divorce mediator like me would need to call in attorneys to to take over because those are the cases that could get a little bit dicey and probably need some. Yeah. So, all right. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to. Or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses, and sign up for the Parenting Plan course now. Because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. Okay, I can't believe where the time is going, Tracy. This has gone so fast and it's so much good information. I could ask you so much more. But as you know, when I start to wind down, I have what I call the saddle up segment because I'm in my barn with my horses over there. And I just want to get one key takeaway or a bit of information, something that my listeners could do today for a better life. Well, if we are talking about someone who is heading towards divorce potentially or considering it or in the process of divorce... The thing I would have people do first is something we've already talked about, and that is getting your hands on all the financial information that you have legal access to and securing that, whether you're securing papers somewhere outside of your home, maybe with a trusted friend, or whether you're securing digital documents, PDFs, things like that somewhere up in the cloud so that those documents can't go away. Because I cannot emphasize how important those documents can be if you do end up in the process of divorce. So if you have them, you're not waiting on a subpoena. You're not waiting for your spouse to turn them over. You know, one of the things that I see a lot in the divorce process is if your spouse is handling all the finances and they have the taxes done by someone or do it using some an online program, we get to divorce and they like to hold those tax returns hostage and they don't want to turn them over. So if you have access to them now and can make copies of them, makes the process so much easier. And really, even more than just the concept of having the documents in hand is how empowering it is to know that you have just gotten in your hot little hands the financial data that can help you figure out all sorts of things. You might never use those documents for whatever reason. You might not end up looking at them, but having them is really empowering. 
I love that word. And I love how you're using that in this situation, using this as an opportunity, right? To Mm -hmm. become empowered and to learn. So Tracy, thank you for that. And we're going to have how to connect with you in the show notes, but for my listeners, how do they find you? Well, they can find me at that landing page that I set up for you. So my website is fraudcoach.com because I am your fraud coach throughout your divorce. And the landing page is fraudcoach.com forward slash different for doing divorce different. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much. And listeners, go check that out. I think I'm going to, even though I'm not getting divorced. Absolutely. You can go there and see the red flag assessment. So you could take that quiz, see if you should be worried. You can see my new book there, Find Me the Money, and you can see the Divorce Money Guide. Awesome. Tracy, again, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Hey, friends, you may have heard me mention my swan analogy, how mediation is a lot like a swan gliding on a lake, not necessarily happy, not necessarily sad, but content, calm, and peaceful. I especially want this for my parents. And in custody cases involving alcohol, it can be very difficult to find peace of mind if you're fearful your child's safety is in jeopardy. Soberlink helps ease these concerns and improve child safety, which is why I recommend it to all my clients who raise concerns over a co-parent's alcohol misuse. Soberlink has remote alcohol monitoring technology, allowing parents to receive real-time alerts multiple times a day, ensuring the child is with a sober parent. Similar to mediation, Soberlink is time and cost-effective and worth every penny knowing your child is safe. To begin receiving real-time alerts that your child is safe, And to receive $50 off your device, visit www.soberlink.com slash different. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter. 